June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customize paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tonight, 60 Minutes and the Candidates. I'll get in this you way. You have to duck. Beginning with the interview many Americans are talking about. You have unemployment claims going up. You have COVID cases going up. I mean, it's like the gods have suddenly decided to conspire against you. I don't you. think so at all. No, I think well, we've done a great job these... with COVID. Yeah, but the, hired... the numbers are going up, Excuse sir. Me. And we hoped would have been more productive. Tonight, the president, the vice president... Much. And what happened... Okay, that's enough. I'll see you a little while. ...when Mr. Trump left the room. Be careful. Let's take back this country! You have held a steady lead in the national and state polls. But so did Hillary Clinton four years ago. Could Donald Trump still win this? Sure. I don't underestimate... How he plays. Former Vice President Biden and Senator Kamala Harris tell us about their vision for the country. I think we're going to have to make big institutional changes. Proposals for new taxes and questions about their historic partnership. You're very different in the policies that you've supported in the past. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bill Whitaker. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Nora O'Donnell. I'm Scott Pelley. The candidates tonight on 60 Minutes. Tonight, in what has become an election year tradition for 60 Minutes, conversations with the major party candidates for president and vice president of the United States. Later, Nora O'Donnell interviews former Vice President Joe Biden 
and his running mate, Senator Kamala Harris. But we begin with President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. I spoke with the president on Tuesday in the Roosevelt Room at the White House. We had prepared to talk about the many issues and questions facing the president. But in what has become an all-too-public dust-up, the conversation was cut short. It began politely, but ended, regrettably, contentiously. Are you ready for some tough questions? You're going to be fair. Are you go- be- I'm going to be fair. Just be fair. But you're okay with some tough questions? No, I'm not. I mean, you're not I'm, okay with tough I questions? I want them to be fair. You, you don't ask Biden tough questions. So. Okay. You, you ready? ready? Everybody ready? So we have the pandemic. On your watch, we've had racial strife. We've had looting. Why do you want this job? Why do you want to be president again? Because we've done a great job, and it's not finished yet. And when I finish, this country will be in a position like it hasn't been maybe ever. Uh, the economy is already roaring back, and uh, other people aren't going to bring it back. Certainly, the person that we're dealing with is not going to bring it back. They're going to raise taxes. Let me ask you what you think your, uh, the biggest domestic priority is for you right now. Uh, well, ultimately, let, let me, and I, I'll tell you, it was happening. We created the greatest economy in the history of our country. And the other side You know that. In. You know that's not true. It is totally true. No. It isn't. But President Trump did have an impressive string of economic accomplishments. We had the best stock market price ever, and we're getting close to that price again. The unemployment numbers for African Americans, for Asian Americans, for Hispanic Americans, virtually every number was the best. And what was happening is things were coming well, together. Well, I asked you, what's the priority? I mean, those are all the good things. The what do you have to solve? The priority now is to get back to normal, get back to where we were, to have the economy rage and be great with jobs and everybody be happy. And that's where we're going, and that's where we're heading. And who is our biggest foreign adversary? I would say China. They're an adversary. They're, They're the a biggest. competitor. They're a foe in many ways, but they're an adversary. Uh, I think what happened was disgraceful. It should never have happened. Should, they should never have allowed this plague to get out of China and go throughout the world. 188 countries should never have happened. Four years ago, you were behind in the polls, as you are now, and you pulled it out. But this time, you have kind of a double migraine. You have unemployment claims going up. You have COVID cases going up. I mean, it's like the gods have suddenly decided, decided to conspire against you. I don't you. think so at all, no. I think well, we've what done a about great these... job with COVID. Sir, excuse me, cases are up in about 40 okay. states. You know why cases are up also? Because we do more testing. The fake news media loves to say cases are up. The fact is we've done a very, very good job. Cases are up. We have done, that's right, because we're doing so much testing. There is increased testing, but according to the COVID tracking project, That doesn't account for all of the rise in new cases sweeping the country or the 40% increase in hospitalizations in the past month. When you're out there saying we've turned the corner, this thing is disappearing, and people can see see cases going up all over the, in the Midwest, in the Mountain West, record numbers of cases in some states. We understand the disease. We understand the elderly, and we are taking care of them like nobody's ever taken care of them. So we are taking care of our people. 
Okay, let me let me ask you something about suburban women. Yeah. Suburban women, will you please like me? Remember? Please. Please. I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? You said the other day to suburban women, will you please like me, please, please? Oh, I didn't say that. You know, that's so misleading the way I say jokingly, suburban women, you should love me because I'm giving you security and I got rid of the worst regulation. See, the way you said that is why people think of you and everyone else as fake news. I said kiddingly, suburban women, you should love me. I got rid of a regulation that would bring low-income housing into suburbia that is destroying, that would destroy suburbia. And I said that in a joking way. The way you have it, it's like, oh, like I'm begging. I, I'm kidding. Play it. And I'm kidding. That is such a misleading question, Leslie. But you're behind with suburban women in the polls. I doubt it. I doubt it. I really doubt it. One of the reasons is that they don't feel you're being upfront about the pandemic. Are you We're deliberately downplaying it? We're doing well. We're doing well. We understand the disease. We've done a good job. We've done maybe a great job. What we haven't done a good job on is convincing people like you, because you're really quite impossible to convince, but that's okay. And the economy now is coming back, and it's coming back very strongly. And people see that, Leslie. There are more unemployment claims. I mean, the economy has kind of. Leslie, we just picked up 11.4 million jobs. It's the largest number in the history of our country. It is true that of the 22 million jobs lost since February, 11.4 million have been restored. Yet, unemployment claims are running at historically high levels. But the president sees the economy as his strongest suit. Gallup did a poll. 56% of the people said that they're better off now during a pandemic than they were during Obama and Biden. 56%. It was a record number. Can we go back for one second to the pandemic? Because um, you called Dr. Fauci and other health officials idiots. Where did I call them an idiot? You called them idiots. I wonder if well, you he's think... he's been wrong a lot. I like <laughs> I, him, but he's been I, wrong I a lot. I wonder if you think that masks don't work. I feel masks possibly work. But certainly you want to stay away a certain distance, socially distance, etc. But I would say a mask works, and I have nothing against masks, and I tell people to wear masks. I have well, no problem. Well, tell me then about these rallies you've been having. A lot of people are wearing people, masks. A lot of outside. people aren't. I'm, I'm watching all these people jammed in together, and I'm seeing most of them without yeah. masks. And I'm wondering the message that you're sending with these pictures coming across television. Take a look. Yesterday, we were in Arizona, record-setting rallies, numbers of people like nobody's seen before. You used to have bigger rallies. No, these are much bigger than I ever had. I don't want to bicker over that. Tell me about the mask wearing. You're so negative. These are the biggest rallies we've ever had. You just come in here with that negative attitude. These are the biggest rallies we've ever had. But I can't believe after what happened in the Rose Garden here, after the announcement, with all the people getting sick, that you are not being more strongly encouraging about wearing masks at your rallies. I tell people to wear masks. But you don't. Leslie, we hand out thousands of masks. But you look out and they're not wearing them. You don't get up there and say, look, you know, come on. I don't want you to get sick. What's your next question, Leslie? We're outside... The rallies are bigger than they've ever been. There's more enthusiasm than we've ever had. 
There has never been anything like what you're witnessing now, and you'll see that soon. Um, okay, I'll ask you another health question, okay? Go told ahead. you, okay. Um, you promised that there was going to be a new health package, a health care plan. Yeah. Um, you said that it was going to be great. You said it's ready, it's going to be ready, it'll be here in two weeks, it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before, and of course we haven't seen it. So why didn't you develop a health plan? It is developed, it is fully developed, it's going to be announced very soon when we see what happens with Obamacare. If the Supreme Court ends this, uh, Obamacare... um, Well, we're going to have to see what happens. I think, I, I hope that they end it. It'll be so good if they and end And if it. they end because up, people with pre-existing conditions will be stranded. No, no. And that's just a fact. It's wrong. It's no. wrong. A new plan will happen. But will. And we won't do anything, will and is. We won't do anything and no plan unless we have pre-existing conditions covered. With little more than a week till the election, the president has been barnstorming the swing states where the polls are tight, including Florida, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and here in Michigan. Can you um, characterize uh, your supporters? Yeah, I think I can. People that love our country more than anything else, and they like to see our country thrive. But do you think that when you hold rallies and encourage people to say, lock her up, the way you... I don't encourage them. They say it. And you enjoy it. You don't say, don't do that. Hillary Clinton deleted... She deleted 33,000 emails after she got a subpoena from the United States Congress. But why is this still an issue? Why do people, they're not going to vote on that. it's an issue. She ran last time. Excuse me, when they say lock up, it's not me. They say it. It starts, it it ends up being a, I don't encourage it. Yes, you do. No, if I mention her name about something, they go crazy. Well, what about the governor of Michigan? Governor Gretchen Whitmer was the target of a kidnapping plot by an armed militia group. It was our Justice Department that is the one that's helping her. Yes. My Justice Department, if you call it that. The FBI. It was our Justice Department that's helping her. And, you know, people aren't so... They're not liking her so much because she's got everybody locked down. You got to get your governor to open up your state, okay? You are very powerful, and the people who love you love you with passion. And if you go after somebody the way you've been going after her, they take it to heart, and they then there are plots and threats, and the same with Doctor. You did. I've helped her. It was our Justice Department that's helping her. Oh, I do criticize her, yeah. Well, that's I think the way she locked her. down Michigan is a disgrace. But the way you... she closed churches in Michigan is a disgrace. I, yeah, I think it's disgraceful what she's done. I do. You want to lock and her then, up? And by the way, that's other... Of course I don't want to lock her up. Why would I lock her up? Because you were in front of a rally of people saying it, encouraging it. Leslie, it's such a vicious thing you just said. I never said lock up the governor of Michigan. I would never say that. Do you take any responsibility for the country being divided against itself. Do you feel that? I'd like not to, but, you know, perhaps everybody has to take a little responsibility for it. But when people put out phony witch hunts, you know, when they spy on your campaign, you have to fight back. 
And if you don't fight back, you're not sitting here very long. You go back home. You go back home to mommy. The president's accusations against the Biden family, the abrupt end of our conversation, and Vice President Mike Pence's assessment of what happened when we return. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. As we moved from subject to subject, our conversation grew more tense. President Trump brought up what he calls the unfairness of the fake media, most prominently a lack of coverage of his unproven and unverified charges that former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter have received millions of dollars in corrupt payments from a Russian oligarch and a Chinese billionaire. I wish you would interview Joe Biden like you interview me. It would be so good. You know what? You the, like this, the, I thought. I thought you I don't mind spots, it. I don't mind far. it. But when I watch him walk out of a store, and he's walking with a ice cream, and the question the media asks him, what kind of ice cream, what flavor ice cream do you have? <laughs> and he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking... He's of course not. he is, no. Leslie. Come on. Of course he is. It's the biggest... Second biggest scandal. So, the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign, well, there's Leslie. no e- real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes, and we can't put on things we can't no, verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on you. things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify It's been that. totally verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie, and you know that, but you just don't want to no. put it on the air. No, as a matter of fact, I don't know that. Okay. And you're out so there. So why don't you get back to your interview, and let's go. Do you think that your tweets and your name-calling are turning people off? No, I think I wouldn't be here if I didn't have social media. Well, but you the to- media is fake. And frankly, if I didn't have social media, I'd have no way of getting out my voice. Do you know what you told me a long time ago when I asked why you keep saying fake? 
media. You said to me, I say that because I need to uh, discredit you so that when you say negative things about me, no one will believe you. I don't have to discredit you. But that's what you told me. You've discredited yourself. You know, I didn't want to have this kind of angry. Of course you did. No, I didn't. Of course you did. No, I didn't. Well, then you brought up a lot of subjects that Well, I said I'm going to ask you tough questions. They were inappropriately brought up right from the beginning. No, your first question was, this is going to be tough questions. Why? You don't ask Joe Biden. I saw your interview with Joe, the interview with Joe Biden. I never did a Joe Biden interview. It was a Joe. The interview, 60 Minutes. I see Joe Biden giving softball after softball. I've seen all of his interviews. He's never been asked a question that's hard. Okay, but forget him for a minute. No, but you start with me. You're president. Excuse me, Leslie, you started with me. Your first statement was, are you ready for tough questions? Are you? That's no way to talk. It's no way to talk. At this point, one of our producers interrupted to advise about the time remaining in the interview. I think we have enough of an interview here, Hope. Okay, that's enough. Let's go. Let's go. In fa- uh, let's go meet for two seconds, okay? Thanks. I'll see you in a little while. Thanks. Be careful. We were scheduled to take a walk with the president around the White House grounds. I've got a lot of questions I didn't ask. While we waited to see if the president was coming back, his press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, came in with a hand delivery. Uh, Leslie, the president wanted me to deliver his health care plan. It's a little heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This is his health care plan. Yes. Okay, Kaylee, thank you. You're welcome, and uh, the vice president will be with you shortly. Okay. And the president's not coming back? Uh, The president's giving you a, a lot of time. It was heavy, filled with executive orders, congressional initiatives, but no comprehensive health plan. Hello, Leslie. Hi, Mr. Vice President. While our interview with the president did not go forward, the one scheduled with the vice president did. So what just happened with the president? Uh, Leslie, uh, President Trump is a man who speaks his mind. I think it's one of the great strengths that he's had but he as president out. of the United States is that the American people always know where they stand. I'll buy and that. And he's always ready. And the American people know that in this time, it's, it's, it's less about the back and forth with the media, and it's, it's really more about how we bring this country all the way back. We then asked the vice president to put on his hat so as the head of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Dr. Fauci. Uh, you know, the president said that he's a disaster, and he and the uh, other public health officials around him are idiots. Do you uh, care to comment on that? The scientists who've worked around the White House Coronavirus Task Force, who will meet again today here at the White House, uh, have provided a great public service. They so brought not the idiots. perspective of scientists all along the way. And I have, a, I have a strong relationship with Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx. But remember, the president of the United States has to consider the whole of America. The president's been balancing the broad interests of the country uh, and the health of the American people, and we'll continue to do that every day. So let's say there's a mother out there, let's say in a hot spot in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and she's wondering whether she should send her children to school. Now, what's your advice? Leslie, we got to get our kids back in school. And I would say to that mother, 
or any mother, that we're going to continue to work our hearts out to make sure that those schools have the testing, have the PPE, have the supplies they need to get our kids back where they belong, safe and sound in the classroom. So are you saying she should send the kids back? Should the kids wear masks? I think they should adhere to whatever criteria the school administrators and local health officials determine to be appropriate. But really, again, I want to say the American Academy of Pediatricians made it clear early on that distance learning, this online learning, is no substitute for being in the classroom. What about Thanksgiving? Should people feel safe to get together with their family, with their grandparents, with their aunts and uncles? Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Me too. And, and I'm looking forward to it with our family. With a big, with extended? I think that's a decision every American family can make based on the circumstances in their community, the, the vulnerability of particular family members. You know, one of the things we apprehended early on is that seniors, particularly those with serious underlying health conditions, are the most at risk uh, for a serious outcome if they contract the coronavirus. And so well, families may make a decision that, that certain elderly family members might take a pass. But, but I think the difference between President Trump and me and, and some of the public voices in this debate over the last year has been we trust the American people. When we spoke with Joe Biden this past week in Wilmington, Delaware, the former vice president was ahead in the polls, but confronting a withering final assault from President Trump. As the presidential campaign enters its final full week, we also had questions for his running mate, California Senator Kamala Harris. In our conversation, Joe Biden discussed how much he'd be influenced by progressives within his own party, whether his proposed tax increases would hurt the economy, and how he views the current state of the race. With less than two weeks to go before Election Day, you have held a steady lead in the national and state polls. But so did Hillary Clinton four years ago. Could Donald Trump still win this? Sure. I'm one of those folks or competitors. It's not over till the bell rings. And uh, I feel superstitious when I predict anything other than it's going to be a hard fight. We feel good about where we are, but, you know, I, I don't underestimate um, how he plays. What do you mean you don't underestimate how he plays? Well, you know, there's an awful lot of talk out there about that uh, trying to sort of delegitimize the election. All, I think, designed to make people wonder whether or not they should, whether it's worth going to vote, just the intimidation factor. But what really has pleased me is the overwhelming turnout in the states that have early voting. Do you think there are a lot of people who are going to vote for you simply because you're not Donald Trump? Well, I hope there's going to be a lot of people vote for him because of who I am. But I think the contrast between Donald Trump and me is about as stark as it can get in terms of our value set and uh, how we view the world. I was listening to one of your podcasts, and you said we need some revolutionary institutional changes. Like what? Well, for example, I think we have to fundamentally change the way in which we deal with um, uh, institutional racism. For example... Uh, one of the hardest things is beyond police issues. There's the issue of accumulation of wealth. There's an awful lot of black Americans who are equally as, they're as qualified as white Americans based on the same status they're in in terms of their economic opportunity, but they don't get a chance. 
So, for example, if we just made every corporation pay a minimum 15% tax, you got 91 pay no tax. That raises over $400 billion. I can send every single qualified person to a four-year college in their state for $150 billion. I can make sure every single person qualifies community college can go, and we still have a lot of money left over. That's what I mean by significant institutional changes. The Nonpartisan Tax Policy Center and others have questioned whether Joe Biden's corporate minimum tax plan would raise as much money as he estimates. After our interview, Mr. Biden's staff told us he misspoke and that the cost of free public college could be twice as much as he said. The president made the case at the Republican convention that your administration would be a Trojan horse for liberals, that AOC, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren would actually be controlling policy, that this would become the most liberal administration in U.S. history. He'd love to run against them, wouldn't he? Mr. President, you're running against Joe Biden. Joe Biden has a deep, steep and successful record over a long, long time. But Joe Biden's running mate's record is less widely known. Kamala Harris has represented California in the U.S. Senate for almost four years. You're very different in the policies that you've supported in the past. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I Somebody said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage. But <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, the nonpartisan GovTrack has rated you as the most liberal senator. You supported the Green New Deal. You supported Medicare for All. You've supported legalizing marijuana. Joe Biden doesn't support those things. So are you going to bring the policies, those progressive policies that you supported as senator, into a Biden administration? What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is what Joe wants me to do, this was part of our deal. I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue that we confront. And I promised Joe that I will give him that perspective and always be honest with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? No. (laughs) No, it is the perspective of of a woman who grew up a, a, a black child in America who was also a prosecutor who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of 19 from India, who also, you know, likes hip hop. (laughs) What do you want to know? (laughs) Well, I want to give you I want to give you the opportunity to address this, because at the Republican National Convention, President Trump made the case that Joe Biden is going to be nothing more than a Trojan horse for socialist policies for the left wing of the Democratic Party. Are you going to push those policies when you're vice president of the United States? I am not going to be confined to Donald Trump's definition of who I or anybody else is. Um, And I think America has learned that that would be a mistake. So just, just to button that up, because you have fought for Medicare for all. That's not something that Joe Biden supports. If you become vice president, would you say to a President Biden, you know what, Let's, we should really be pushing for Medicare for all, not a public option. That's just not going to do it. That's not my value. I would not have joined the ticket if I didn't support what Joe was proposing. And so our plan includes expanding on everything that Joe, together with President Obama, created with the Affordable Care Act. By contrast, you have Donald Trump, who's in court right now, trying to get rid of a policy that brought health care to over 20 million people, including protecting people with pre-existing conditions, and he's doing it in the middle of a pandemic that has killed over 215,000 Americans. What do you think is the biggest 
domestic issue America faces? Right now, the biggest domestic issue is our health. Right now, COVID. COVID, the way he's handling COVID is just absolutely, totally irresponsible. He's telling people that we've turned the bend at one of his recent rallies. Well, he's gone, as my grandpa would say, he's gone round the bend. I mean, we are in real trouble. Mr. Biden says he would spend up to $200 billion to make sure schools have the equipment and staff they need to reopen safely. He also says he'd make greater use of the Defense Production Act to manufacture and distribute millions of testing kits for COVID-19. We should be investing a great deal more money in testing and tracing. A woman can go in and to a drugstore and buy a pregnancy test and find out at home whether or not she's pregnant. We should be doing the same kind of investment to see whether we're going to have testing kits for people to know. It's not enough to know in seven days or five days or three days whether or not you have COVID. But Congress did approve that money for the NIH. No, that's my point, but it's not there. But they haven't done it. They haven't done it. People are worried about a national lockdown and worried about jobs. The president's advisor now is Dr. Scott Atlas. He is advocating young people go about their business and older people sequester. Nobody thinks he makes any sense. Nobody. No serious doc around the world. But how do you not lock down the economy? You don't have to lock down the economy. It depends on the community. It depends on where it's real in real trouble. And you have to do things that make sense, that make it easier for people to avoid being exposed. Freedom is about making sure that you care about the people you're around, that they be free, too. It's a patriotism to put this mask on. Let's talk about the economy. Yes. You are proposing several trillion dollars in new spending over the next decade for economic relief, education, health care. How are you going to pay for that? By writing the tax code. You got billionaires in this country making $700 billion during this crisis. $700 billion. He wants to terminate the tax cuts that we gave you. The former vice president has pledged to undo the Trump tax cuts for corporations and wealthy Americans. He'd raise the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28 percent. He'd also raise taxes on people making more than $400,000 a year. And the top rate would be 39.6 percent. Nobody making less than $400,000 will pay a penny more in tax under my proposal. That's a promise. That's a guarantee, a promise. I give you my word as a Biden. That's an absolute guarantee. And you think it's a good idea to raise taxes when the economy's in dire straits? Depending who you're raising them on. Look, if you're raising somebody who's making a billion dollars a year, it's not a problem that they pay 39.6%, which everybody should pay, raise another $90 billion. The president says that's going to end up sending jobs overseas. He's sending them overseas already. Take a look at what's happened. We have now a trade deficit that's larger with China than when we were there. Actually, that depends on how you calculate it. The overall trade deficit with China was slightly lower in 2019 than it was during the last three years of the Obama administration. We are making sure... The Biden and Trump campaigns have been engaged in a running battle over who will be tougher on China. Let's turn to foreign policy. What do you think is the biggest foreign threat that America faces. Our lack of standing in the world. Look what he does. He embraces every dictator in sight, and he pokes his finger in the eye of all of our friends. And so what's happening now is you you have the situation in Korea, where they have more lethal missiles and they have more capacity than they had before. North Korea. North Korea. 
you have a situation in the Gulf where you have Iran closer to a nu- having enough fissile material to get a nuclear weapon than they had before. You have our NATO allies backing away from us because they say we can't count on us. So he's moving away from what has allowed us to bring the world together. Which country is the biggest threat to America? Well, I think the biggest threat to America right now in terms of breaking up our, our security and our alliances is Russia. Secondly, I think that the biggest competitor is China. And depending on how we handle that, will determine whether we're competitors or we end up being in a more serious competition relating to force. Domestically, Democrats have lost the competition to control the U.S. Supreme Court. Listen, who is on your list, Joe? Mr. Biden is under pressure from his own party to consider increasing the number of justices if elected. It's called court packing. And while he's said he's no fan of the idea, he's never completely ruled it out. Judge Amy Coney Barrett is on track to become the ninth U.S. Supreme Court justice. That would give the conservatives a 6-3 majority. If elected, would you move to add more justices to the Supreme Court? If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative. And I will uh, ask them to, over a 180 days, come back to me with recommendations as to how to uh, reform the court system because it's getting out of whack, um, the way in which it's being handled. And it's not about court packing. There's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated, and I'd look to see what recommendations that commission might make. This is a live ball. Oh, it is a live ball. No, it is a live ball. We're going to have to do that. And you're going to find there's a lot of conservative constitutional scholars who are saying it as well. The last thing we need to do is turn the Supreme Court into just a political football. Whoever has the most votes gets whatever they want. Presidents come and go. Supreme Court justices stay for generations. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. In the closing days of the campaign, Joe Biden has been forced to address new and unverified claims that he was involved in his son Hunter's foreign business dealings. The president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, says he came into possession of emails allegedly belonging to Hunter Biden and turned them over to the tabloid New York Post. Smoking gun emails. Mr. Trump and his allies have called for an investigation, but the FBI would neither confirm nor deny to 60 Minutes that one was taking place. Do you believe the recent leak of material allegedly from Hunter's computer is part of a Russian disinformation campaign? From what I've read and know, the intelligence community warned the president that Giuliani was being fed disinformation from the Russians. And we also know that Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. And so when you put the combination of Russia, Giuliani, the president together, um, it's just what it is. It's a smear campaign because he has nothing he wants to talk about. In this. What is he running on? What is he running on? On the campaign trail, President Donald Trump paints former Vice President Joe Biden as an aging career politician and questions his mental acuity. This past Monday in our conversation, Mr. Biden frankly discussed his age, his health, and why he believes Kamala Harris stands ready to become president if necessary. If elected, you would be the oldest president in American history. But I'm in good shape. 78 years old. 
82 after four years. Donald Trump says you have dementia and it's getting worse. <laughs> hey, the same guy who thought that the 9-11 attack was a 7-11 attack, he's talking about dementia? All I can say to the American people is watch me. You see what I've done. You see what I'm going to do. Look at me. Compare our physical and mental acuity. I'm happy to have that comparison. Your age makes the choice of your vice president all the more important. Why do you think Senator Harris would be ready to step in and become commander-in-chief if something were to happen to you? Number one, her values. Number two, she is smart as a devil. Number three, she has a backbone like a ramrod. Number four, she is really principled. And number five, she is uh, has had significant experience in the largest state in the union, running the Justice Department. It's only second in size to the United States Justice Department. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, I hope that never becomes a question. Kamala Harris was the first woman and first black person to be district attorney of San Francisco and attorney general of California. And she's only the second black woman to serve in the United States Senate. Do you think having the first woman of color, the first woman as vice president, may change things? I do. It helps change the perception of who can do what. Because that is still part of the battle, after all. And you imagine some young person then saying, oh, things can be different. I don't have to conform to whatever I'm, um, you know, supposed to do or relegated to do. I can imagine what can be and be unburdened by what has been, you know? What kind of role do you think you would play in a Biden administration? Joe Biden's partner. One of the first things he said was, um, I want you to be the, the first person in the room and the last person in the room. How often do you and Joe Biden speak? Almost every day. Your next vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. From the moment Joe Biden selected her as his running mate, Senator Harris has become one of President Trump's favorite targets. And she's not competent. She's not competent. On the campaign trail, President Trump has attacked you frequently. He's called you a monster. He said you're nasty and it would be an insult to our country if you became the first female president. Do you see this as just the rough and tumble of politics, or do you view those attacks against you as racist? Well, this is not the first time in my life I've been called names. And it, you know, it was predictable, sadly. Do you think the president is racist? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. You can look at a pattern that goes back to him questioning the identity of the first black president of the United States. You can look at Charlottesville when there were peaceful protesters and on the other side neo-Nazis and he talks about fine people on either side calling Mexicans rapists and criminals. His first order of business was to institute a Muslim ban. It all speaks for itself. President Trump has said he denounces racism and white supremacy after the Black Lives Matter protests that began this summer. Joe Biden has surrendered his party to the flag burners, rioters. The president tried to frame the election as a choice between law and order and Biden and Harris. There's a sense that there's a divide out there that in order to address systemic racism, that it's anti-police, that you would not be a law and order president. Well, let me put it this way. Number one, I've never, ever supported defunding police. Matter of fact, I think we should give more funding for police for different reasons. 
Number two, any use of violence, burning down stores, smashing windows, that is a crime. People should be arrested. No justification for it. There's never been a conflict with me between law and order and dignity. They're one and the same. The president said on the stump, I've saved the suburbs. You should, you should oh, thank me. He would know a suburb unless he took a wrong turn. Go out in the suburbs now. It's not 1950. There are black and white families living next door to one another, driving each other's kids to soccer practice. This is a different world than he lives in. Look, there's a lot of reasons people are upset, a lot of good reasons. All he wants to do is take that sort of subliminal fear out there and say it's because, because of that guy or because of that woman. That's not who we are as a country. I, we, I mean, this is not who we are. It's not our value system. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. We've never met it. We've never met the standard. But we've always gone further and further and further toward um, inclusion. It's the first president who's trying to shut it down. We cannot sustain this democracy that way. We're so much better than this. Thanks to ADT, our presenting sponsor. I enjoy true crime podcasts as much as the next person, but I think we've all experienced losing sleep when an episode hits just a little too close to home. With ADT, get 24-7 peace of mind knowing that your home is protected by the most trusted name in home security. With nearly 150 years of experience, reliability, and safety innovations, ADT is a tried-and-true smart home security system that over 6 million Americans trust. Equipped with the latest technology and the intelligence of Google, ADT provides comprehensive protection that you can manage from virtually anywhere. Whether you opt for professional installation by ADT Pros or easily set it up yourself, customize your smart security system to work for your home and your routine. With Nest cams and doorbells, set up intelligent alerts so you receive notifications on what matters most. Your camera can tell the difference between a person, package, vehicle, and animal, and will alert you when there's activity. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, and Nest Doorbell are trademarks of Google LLC. ADT. Brilliantly safe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Leslie Stahl. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes. Hello. Hello. Hi, Leslie. Nice to see you. It's great to see you. Mr. Vice President, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Why do you want this job? Why do you want to be president again? Because we've done a great job and it's not finished yet. Do you think there are a lot of people who are going to vote for you simply because you're not Donald Trump? Well, I hope there's going to be a lot of people vote for him because of who I am. Can you um, characterize uh, your supporters? People that love our country. If elected, you would be the oldest president in American history. But I'm in good shape. I think we have enough of an interview here, Hope. Okay, that's enough. Let's go. 
Are you a fan of 60 Minutes? You can represent the most watched series on television with shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and more at ParamountShop.com. You can take 20% off with code MINUTES20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 60 Minutes products with code MINUTES20 at ParamountShop.com. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.